Welcome back to the podcast, Conversations with Jeff Bucknam. Jeff Bucknam is the lead pastor of Teaching and Vision at Harvest Bible Chapel. I'm your host, Tommy. Just kidding. I'm not. I'm Wesley. Tommy is not here. That's true. He's I, not. I, well, I often want to say for he is risen, but he's not. He's just somewhere <laughs> else. <laughs> I don't think he's risen yet. No. He's not dead yet. He's not dead yet. He's he, <laughs> he um yeah, he's he took some time off apparently without a lot of approval. So Yeah, I don't know. It's a little bit story, of a, it's a little bit of a scandal here at the uh, at the inside the walls of harvest. Everything has to go through you. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I no, actually, I was going to say there's, it's, it's very common, uh, Wesley, when I show up to work that uh, I don't know most of the things that are going on. Uh, I, I actually check my calendar every night before the next day to find out what exactly I'm supposed to be doing. So good. I'm not very good with the details. That's okay. Yeah. You're good at some things. Um, are you good at Starfield? So Wesley and I are... <coughs> Are, are playing the same video game at the yeah. present moment. And it's called Starfield. And if you know anything about um, Bethesda games, yep, <clears throat> they're the ones that, that uh, did Fallout. Yep, and Skyrim. And Skyrim. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you know that, it's basically Fallout in space. Yeah. Which is a lot of fun. It, it really is. You get to build outposts and it's good. And... And ships and fly the ships and mm -hmm. destroy things. Uh, aliens, kill the aliens. Yep. You can do whatever you want. They're like, hey, you could do this, you know, story that we wrote for you. Or you could just wander around. Do whatever you want. Wander around and I like that stuff. Um, Jeff likes to um, just be insane and steal things and <laughs> live vicariously. I do. Is that right? <laughs> Actually, I do steal some stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's really exciting. What do you think of that? Wesley, okay, so is it okay for you mm. to go onto a video game mm -hmm. and to and to be a character yep. that is not you? Mm. Is that still? Do you know what I mean? Like, so yes. you're you're a good moral person, but in the video game world, you're not a moral person. Is that right? Is that okay? Well, there is a word I have tattooed on the back of my neck. It's adiaphora. It's a freedom. <laughs> and if you have a problem with it, if it's you're like, mm, I don't know, that yeah, don't do it. Yeah. That's fine. But, you know, for Jeff. Yeah. I had no problem. Nah, yeah, I'm not As I'm not a <clears throat> I'm not I'm not somebody who goes around and just shoots things into just whatever. No. I am somebody though who I will steal the stuff. Yep. Yeah. I will Sometimes try they'll to come steal the stuff you. and then they arrest me. Yep. So I've been in jail a lot. Yep. But I enjoy it's it's good fun. Then you get out it, part of the game is to break out of jail and all that. <laughs> yes. Which, so. you know, you probably shouldn't do. No, not in real life. You shouldn't steal. You shouldn't break out of jail. You shouldn't shoot people. You shouldn't do anything. But yes, but all in uh, good fun. So, yeah. yes. Well, I used to play when I was a little kid. We all played the laser tag and, and uh, true. cops and robbers and all that kind of stuff. Yep. So it was okay then. Better better to play than to realize. Absolutely. Give me a break. It'd be terrible. So I'll say, um, I had another question for okay. you. Okay. That wasn't a question, the first one. Maybe it was. We'll go back. Um, secondly, what are some of your top? Give me your top five SNL skits of all time. Ooh. Mm -hmm. So I got to tell you, Saturday Night Live, when I was a, a younger guy, okay, so when I was in college, Saw this it, was, coming. it was the, it was the uh, Adam Sandler, yep. Chris Farley kind of mm -hmm. cast there, Dana Carvey, that kind of group. 
Yep. And I, uh, th- they, they were way better mm-hmm. than a lot, a lot of it now. But <clears throat> I, I, so I watched it far more in those days. Right. Than I would now. There was a small period where I started watching a little bit again, just because SNL is a great way for you to connect with what actually the culture and by the the elites in the culture think. Yep. So whatever they satirize, that is the thing that you know that everyone's supposed to satirize. Right. So every once in a while, I would watch it just to see what was going on. And uh, after a while, I got to the point where it's like this is this is actually so dumb. I didn't understand why it is that they just didn't have the ability to make fun of. Uh, anybody who doesn't share their poli- if, if anyone who shares their political viewpoint, it's always the other person always that they want to do. Which yep. I, the Babylon Bee at least makes fun of everybody, right? Yeah, uh, but this this is not the, SNL's really really committed just making fun of conservative people. Yeah, yeah. I think too they they've lost their silly touch. Yes, like it used to be like just silly. Oh yeah, Eddie Murphy gonna yeah. get hot in hot tub. Yep, I'll get it wet. Exactly. So. Uh, top top five top five sketch. Uh, I would actually say um, living in a down, van down by the river yep. might be Chris Farley as the motivational speaker. Yep, and I can't remember the name of the guy. Matt there. Foley. Matt Foley. Thank you. That's him. That that is one of the great ones. Celebrity Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Which with, one? Uh, well, I always I always well I really did enjoy um, the one where um, what's his name Ben Stiller plays Tom Cruise. Uh, yep. It was pretty good. And uh, Norm MacDonald always played uh, Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the actor, but he was always doing uh, Sean Connery. Oh, yeah. You'll rue the day, Trebek. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that that was uh, one that made me laugh an awful, awful, awful lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, more A more recent one that I like is uh, the what's up with that oh yeah where they start doing the, so funny. the dancing system They're, they have Lindsay these Buckingham. Yeah, high profile yeah guests they're going to interview and they just always break out in the song instead. yeah so there's also one uh that um will ferrell was in that's around the christmas time where they actually just put him on a spinning like he was doing this fake uh he was doing this fake uh advertising for his holiday record so-and-so sings the holiday classics and he's on this spinning plate and, and it's the most wonderful and the heaps going around and around and he's like oh i'm getting sick and then he just <laughs> and he just throws up everywhere yeah and it it's so basic and dumb that's the best kind and yet quite delightful yeah <laughs> so dumb yeah i like a lot of the will ferrell ones yeah there's actually a celebrity. There's there's actually a Black Jeopardy one too that I really liked when Tom Hanks was on the show, and it, I liked it because it was the it was probably the most um, it was the most insightful thing that I had seen on SNL for a long time, meaning culturally insightful. And sure. then you had these folks. These uh, two of the contestants were uh, were these black folks, and uh, what's the Keenan Keenan Thompson? Keenan Thompson was yeah. the playing the host. And then you had uh, Tom Hanks playing this white farmer mm-hmm. on the end. And uh, f- at first, everybody was, was kind of making fun of the white guy. But, it, and, but as they started answering the questions, they, you started realizing that this, this farmer white guy sees the world pretty much like the other folks do. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. And uh, it was very, very funny. And they were like, you all, okay, you're all yeah. right, you know? <laughs> and I, 
I just love that because I, I I thought that a long time. You know, it's a way right. more. There's way more similarities socioeconomically in the United States than there are than people that that people uh, understand. Those who yeah. are living in the like the lower middle class and doesn't matter what your race is, you're experiencing a lot of the same right. same things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, your favorite. Do you have a favorite uh, one? I have a couple. Threw it on the ground. That's a little <laughs> bit newer. Okay, but not that new. That's like two. 2000 something Andy Samberg he just throws everything yeah, on yeah, the ground yeah in song form um there's a hidden one I think it was originally cut for time it's Will Ferrell as an old prospector and they're taking military roll call and like Jimmy Fallon and uh Seth Meyers and a bunch of people are in it but they're like taking roll call you know private he's like here and then he's like old prospector and Will Ferrell has like all these pots and pans yeah. on him and he's like present <laughs> and he, he, he's just causing me. They're like, that's why funny. do we have to have this guy with us? Yeah, it's. Although some of the funniest one. ones were Will Ferrell just being a goofball, yep. like you, you know, I need more cowbell. Yep, that one's great. Or he's get just, off the shed. Yeah, it's just he's, he's dancing around, or the he's playing the parent of a of a baseball player and just screaming at him. Yeah, got on second base. <laughs> yes, and uh, that that see those were the the days when it didn't have to be so. Uh, political or anything it yeah. just was kind of funny it's just just in, to in be those fun. ways yep uh i do think i i always enjoyed kate i do enjoy kate mckinnon i think she's mm-hmm. very funny and yep. um, and i did yeah back in the tina fey and um what's the other woman's name who's more recent but she's spent she, anyway she's really great cecily yeah no not yeah anyway yeah um but some of the visitors to the set to the weekend update i always like oh, drunk yeah. uncle was probably my favorite yes of all time I think Norm though did weekend update the yeah. best. Yeah, without a doubt. I think yeah. so. That ain't question. He I very he dry though. It. But you like a dry sense of humor. Yeah, I. I it's actually Wesley. Do you find people I, in the Midwest don't really appreciate your sense of humor? Because I've I, yes. I I've not met a lot of people like you. They they prefer more of a slapsticky kind. Yeah, of... Yeah, I find I find that with friend groups that mm-hmm. I just phase between whatever you know gets me the pat on the back. Um, but I've. <laughs> I always forget that when I do something like mm-hmm. this, like a podcast, or I'm on stage, sometimes I'll host things, or... Yeah, you'll say some dry comment well, that I find delightful. Either either just a comment, or even just in the way I'm speaking. Yeah. I'm fine with a, a pause, because I think it's funnier. Yeah. But some I, I somebody came up to me and were like, oh, I heard you on the podcast, and it, your dry humor is so funny. And I was like, oh, I forgot that I do that. <laughs> like, I hope people think I actually know how to speak. Yeah. You, you do actually know how to speak. I do, but I often, you know, I like oh, that, really no, draw it out and I really, so. Yeah, good sense of, listen, the world is time. hard enough uh, without laughing. Yep. Yeah. But I've just been, I've been here before in the Midwest and I've had uh, some people say, you know, you're not funny. It's, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you should try me in New Zealand. They love it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> anyway, we have a, I get to talk to another Canadian today. It's true. Do you I'm very say excited that, about it. Do you well, he's both that. Canadian and American. Yeah. Do you want to? I yeah, said no, let early. me. I want. I said it earlier. Oh, okay. You could say it. Okay. No, the uh, Corey Anderson. Oh yeah. No, I mean like from the, you know, Mister Anderson. Oh, Miss. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, every time I see <laughs> Corey Anderson, I want to quote the Matrix. Yep. This is the sound of inevitability. Yep. So uh, we're gonna have a conversation with Corey, mm-hmm. uh, who has been a friend for quite a few years. So um, I'm actually looking forward to getting to know some of his background and stuff, and uh, we're gonna do that. See, I'm gonna to try to do Tommy's bit. Oh, let's hear it. We're gonna t- we're gonna do that right 
Now, let's go. So I'm sitting here with Corey Anderson, my friend, Corey Anderson, who is actually now working at Harvest Bible Chapel as our new campus pastor slash replanter of uh, our North Shore campus, which is awesome sauce because you've been doing church planty Mm -hmm. stuff for a long time, haven't you? It does feel that way. Yes, it does feel that way. It is great to be here. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, yeah, the years are starting to move on. Yeah, Yeah, they definitely are. So Corey and I um, actually met each other through a, a common friend uh, who we actually and had have lots of f- uh, friends whose paths cross all, all across our history and these sorts of things. Corey's cousin right. is a very good friend of mine in Canada. And uh, anyway, we've been able to yeah. see each other and spend some time uh, traveling even over the last number of years. He's even got a great kind of Canadian name. Right? He like does. Francois. Yeah, Lee Francois. Um <laughs> Anyway, I just wanted to talk to you about who you are, where you came from, all that kind of stuff. Sounds good. Um, you are both Canadian and American. That is correct. But mostly Canadian. Well, you're like the opposite of me. I was I'm, American to a Canadian mother, but then had to got my Canadian citizenship later. Whereas you were Canadian citizen and then became an American. True. I. I but I consider myself mostly American. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, you're correct. I was born in. In the Great White North, Igloof 685, for those who want to refer to kind of specific area. Um, what? I'm just kidding. There's no Igloos, but, <laughs> no, no, you know. No. People are like, hey, you're from Canada. Oh, do you know Jim? Like, <laughs> no. Where's she from? <laughs> Toronto? <laughs> yeah, Canada is a big country, but um, lots of space. It is. Between. Where were you, where were you from? You're from British Columbia, though, which yep. is the west coast I, of Canada. I was born... On Vancouver Island. Ooh, that's even further. Duncan, B- British Columbia. Really? Yep. A little, <laughs> yep, Duncan. And then we moved from Vancouver Island to the mainland. Vancouver Island is, um, uh, for those of you who don't know, a beautiful place to visit. It's a place called Victoria there, this main city. It is very pretty, very touristy. Lots of folks come out. It's uh, If you're in the summertime and you want to go to one of the more beautiful places in North yep. America, you should go to Victoria. Yeah. Um, it's also the island is known for having people uh, who don't really like the rest of the world. They they <laughs> like the island. Yeah. Uh, and and so you were one of them. And just look in advance for the weather. Yeah. Because it can be terrible. It can be rainy and it's really nasty when it's like right. that. But yeah. people in, in that area, the, yeah. there's Vancouver Island and then there's an area called the Lower Mainland. Yes. And people in the Lower Mainland think the people on Vancouver Island are a bunch of nut jobs and the people on Vancouver Island think that lower mainland could just be bombed and it'd be fine. Yeah. (laughs) But you grew, so you moved, but you moved across to the the mainland. Yeah. When I was really little, we moved to the mainland, lived in a town or city, I guess you could call Burnaby. So North Vancouver, Burnaby area Mm. and just moved a lot. Did you grow up? So a lot. All around there, you moved a lot yeah, it, in the same lot. town. Yeah, yeah. My family was always on the move. It seemed like. What did your um, family? What did your parents do? So no dad. I mean, I do have a dad. Like I'm not born miraculously or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have a dad, but I didn't know him. I never knew my dad. 
Okay. Uh, yeah. I was born into this world and just my mom was there and that was it. Um, yeah. Did you always have, was it, did she end up getting remarried or anything to that um, effect? No, she did have different men throughout her life that were part of her life. I mean, we weren't in a Christian home at all. Like nobody in my family, extended family or Christians. Mm. Of course, my cousin Lee, as you mentioned, Lee Francois, he became a Christian as well. But like the rest of the family all through the years, just completely nothing. Just okay, raunchy. That was about it. Yeah. <laughs> and you moved around because you were renting and it's yeah. just transient, transient. Yeah. I mean, my mom had different men that were in her life. I mean, so we did have a little bit of, um, I don't know if you want to call it stability, because I don't think you could really call it that. But, you know, men that I... Well, one man in particular, actually, I thought was my dad when okay. I was a little kid. Wow. But, uh, boy, we're going real deep emotionally around this stuff, <laughs> aren't we? But, yeah. but, you know, and then I discovered that he's not, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he was a real alcoholic. And so with that comes a lot of problems, right? Oh, yeah. So moving, abuse in the home, that kind of a stu- kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Not not to me, but just sort of family violence, a lot of that stuff. Do you have cold. siblings? Yeah, I have a sister. Um, okay. She's actually a half-sister. Okay. Um, we never talk about that, but uh, different dad, same mom. Younger, older? Older, yeah. Big sis, how much? How many years older than you? Uh, uh, eighteen months. Oh wow! So you guys were like buddies. Yeah. No. Oh no, never buddies. Um, <laughs> she would always beat me up when I was little, and uh, I would laugh. You know, I just remember <laughs> growing up years. I would get her mad. She would, as you do, jump on my back, and then because I mean that's what you do as a sibling, right? You uh, and she would dig her nails in me. I remember she liked to dig, and then uh, she would make quite the marks on wow. my arm. But I would laugh, yeah. uh, which made her more mad. Yeah. And then usually my mom would intervene and, okay. you know, then I'd get in trouble. Yeah. What, uh, what was your, what were the things you really liked doing when you were young? Uh, play baseball. Did you? Yep. Yep. Play baseball for about seven years. What was your favorite thing to do in baseball? Um, my favorite thing to do. Well, I was a third baseman. So. Did you like fielding, hitting? Um, Throwing? You know what? I can't, I, I don't know if I, I, I was, I was not good at throwing. Um, From third base, that's yeah, not, that's yeah. not good. I, I was uh, not always very accurate. Not always very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I think probably if anything, I like the running because I could run. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I played, I played third base. Uh, I mean, when you're younger, it seems like you play a lot of positions. Yeah, you, you pitch know? and you do I remember peewee. I remember the, the little, yeah. uh, what do you call it? Um, that's peewee. Yeah. Where, you know, where they got the ball on the stick, whatever that you hit. Yeah, T-ball. That. T-ball. Thank you. Um, and I remember, you know, at that age, you hit the ball and you it goes out into the outfield if it makes it that far. And oh yeah, everybody's in a corner picking. That's a weeds. home run. Like yeah, yeah. if you get it out of the infield, yeah. you're 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 scoring a run. Yeah, yeah. I think a group of our outfielders were just gathered one day, just sort of sitting down, like picking those little flowers out of <laughs> yeah, the ground, totally. <laughs> oblivious to the game. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, so I did that for a number of years. Um, but you know, I moved away a little bit. I, I did some soccer as well through the years. Um, musician at all? No, no. But but I have been known to rock a good ghetto blaster. I bet. You know, back in the day. I bet. Um, you know, a little metal. So what year? So like, when did you graduate from high school then? 1987. Okay. Oh, my goodness, that's okay. So like, what 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 would we have thought of you when in the mid 80s? Would you like you know where, where oh, did you have a mullet? No. You see, I was one of those wannabe rockers. Okay. Like my cousin, Judas Priest shirt on. Yep. Judas Priest stuff like that, yeah. Oh, yeah. Iron Maiden, oh, Metallica, no. um, yeah. Um, I mean, wh- black jeans. There was a whole bunch of those kind of groups that I listened to. So my cousin, so Lee's brother, Jay, he was one of those guys that had is the glam rock era. You yeah, know, yeah. Where all the guys looked like women from behind. Yeah. And then you turned around, you're like, oh, 
Yeah. <laughs> You're ugly. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was, uh, you know, he, he wanted to be a musician, he had the long hair, everything like that. And so we went to all these kind of conference concerts with him and listened to all the metal music. Okay. And, but that was your favorite. Metal. I tried my favorite. Yeah. I tried like growing my hair out, mm -hmm. but and there's a reason I keep my hair really short. Like if I grow my hair out, it, it kind of goes more like Ronald McDonald looking, <laughs> right? Which is scary anyway. Like it's just, it doesn't grow long. No, I wanted goes, it to grow long. It just long. goes out. It just goes out and wavy. And people are like, well, we really like the waves though. I'm oh. like, well, I don't like the waves, yeah. right? Like I'm not a wavy kind of hair guy. Yeah. So I always have had the sort of more the, the uh, military looking cut, I suppose you could say. Yeah. But when I tried to grow it out, um, it was, it, was a, it was a bad time in my life, you know, like when you're 17 or whatever, 16, you know, I went to get ear piercings too. Really? Yeah, I, I had to... Did it happen? Yeah. Did you get them pierced? Yeah, I went to this place to get them pierced and uh, I should have asked questions before I got it pierced. What did the place look like before you got in? Well, it was just a place where ladies would go to whatever. I was told, well, just go there and get your ears pierced. Okay. I didn't ask what they were putting in. They put in a big pearl. Nice. So I went to the... Uh, I went to the arcade afterwards because, you know, that's what you do. You're 17. You take your, <laughs> your pearl, earring. Per, pearl earring. You know, you hit 7-Eleven, you get yourself a super big gulp or something like that. Then you go to, <laughs> you go to the arcade. And, man, I got so many looks. I bet you did. And so that thing was out of my ear. 80s. Nice. Was, that thing was out of my ear really fast. Okay. But it just didn't look good on me. My cousin, like, you know, Jay Lee's brother, yeah. it, you know, it looked good on him. Yeah. You know, but it just wasn't me at all. So. Wow. Yeah. So those were the... When I lived in New Zealand, people who would wear the Judas Priest shirts and the black jeans and yeah. all that kind of stuff, they would call those people bogans. Bogans. So you were, kind of a, you were kind of a bogan. Yeah. Yeah, in high yeah. school. Did you, so was the plan to go to college or was the plan to just get out and do some high school yeah. and do something? Um, you know, I really had no plan. Um, so when I was in high school, I, I was a terrible student, frankly, uh, all through the years. So, you know... I mean, I would, I was afraid as a kid to bring my homework home, right? Because just, they tried to explain homework to me, you know, at home and stuff like that, but it just wasn't a great environment. So I'd hide my homework. I remember like as a little kid taking my like math sheets, those tear out sheets. Yeah. Cause I mean this, nobody will ever find this at home, right? Like stick it in your own mailbox at home. Like nobody will find out that you're hiding your homework or stick it in the fireplace. Right? Yes. Like nobody will ever find that there's a, unburnt piece of paper in there. Um, so I never really did well in like school all the way up to through high school. Honestly, to this day, sometimes I'm like, how did I graduate? I do know that I had like a science professor. He was a bit of a stoner. Um, word on the street was that he would sell toilet seats at the flea market during the summer to make uh, extra money. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess so. Okay. If that's Look, what you do. Some people need them. Supplementing his income somehow. But, you know, I graduated high school, but before I graduated, that's, well, you know, I'll back up a little bit. I, there's two things that I, one thing that I wanted to do, and it had nothing to do with high school education. It, I, I actually wanted to instruct uh, martial arts. I wanted to be yeah. a Taekwondo instructor. So. When but, did you start doing Taekwondo? Because you've, you've. Well, I got, I got picked on a little bit in junior high. Um, it was just a weird stage of my life. I'd never really been picked on before that point. And, and then I had a couple of guys that kind of attacked me a little bit and outside the high school and, you know, laid the boots to me. And I was, I was so insecure at that point. And I was really all alone actually in the yeah. school that I was in. And I vowed that I'm going to get revenge. And I remember saying to myself, when I get some money, I'm going to take the martial arts and 
all those Jackie Chan and Bruce yeah. Lee movies that I watched as a kid, like that's going to be me and I'm going to come after these guys and I'm going to let them know yeah. who's the boss. So, uh, yeah, so I did that. I worked and then I went, um, got enough money and I started Taekwondo. I must have been, oh, I don't know, early high school years or something. Got up to really close to, fairly close to black belt in Taekwondo. And right at that time was also the time that I ended up becoming a Christian, mm. which kind of really just radically redirected everything for me. So, how did how did you come to faith in Christ? Like, So it was July 25th, 1987. <coughs> Wow. Um, it was a concert summer in, after you graduated. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I had just graduated just, I was on a big drinking binge with some buddies. I mean, it was just weeks of just alcohol. And then I got invited to a concert at a church group called life forever. It was actually at Willingdon church yeah. in, uh, in BC, got invited to this church. Um, so a friend of mine who grew up in the church, didn't really follow the Lord at all, but he said, Hey, my grandmother bought me two tickets. We got to go. And then we'll go to a toga party at uh, Simon Fraser University afterwards. So anyway, we never got there. End of the concert, which is not a very good band, but like the Lord uses whatever he uses. Yeah. Um, and it was just an invitation given if you want to accept Jesus. And I had never really heard anything like that before. And I knew that I needed to. And uh, that, in that church, they called you at the front. And I got down on my knees, July 25th, 1987, 1025 at night. I remember it because I remember getting up, looking at seeing the clock. And I just remember I was different. Like I was just one of those, one of those stories, like I just, my life changed. And um, boy, I mean, lots changed still has happened and still needs to happen, but I really did change. So that changed the course of my life. Like I didn't give any attention in high school to anything. And then I went off to, um, you know, I was going to do Taekwondo, wanted to be an instructor, uh, but all that changed. I went to Taekwondo right after that and said to Master King, Master Kang, I can't do Taekwondo anymore. Uh, huh. He wasn't too pleased about that. Yeah. But for me, it was... Why, why were you driven to, to do that? Um, you know, it really wasn't because inherently in Taekwondo there was something wrong. Like, there's nothing wrong with Taekwondo, actually. It's just because for me it was a god. Mm. It, it was, I knew there was something about it that I just... It, it was like I was confronted with two, two loves. Mm. And, and the love, my new love for the Lord was just so greater. Like, and I just couldn't find a way to balance the two. And I just, I walked away. I remember walking away sad from Taekwondo, looking back, kind of going sad, but I was also looking forward to going forward, mm. right? And um, and I, there's times over the years that I had missed it. Um, but, you know, I did later on in the years go back to Taekwondo for a little bit. Got all the way back up to Brown Belt again and planting a church and then never finished a black belt, <laughs> but, uh, you know, then jumped into jujitsu for yeah. a while. Right. As well. So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of a little bit of the journey, how it's been. So, um, you were 18, 17 years yeah, old, 17 when I became a Christian, when you came to faith in Christ. And so what yeah. did you do? Like from there, did you, what did you, what did you yeah. become? What did you start doing? Did you think oh, you want to be a pastor? I mean, do your pastor now. You've been one for years. Yeah. So when I was 17 uh, and I became a Christian, July 25th, then somebody, I, like I all of a sudden started, like with my buddies that I had, like we're all Christian guys by this point. And I remember just gathering in the living room and I would like open up the book of James and I'd want to teach them. <laughs> and I just, for some reason, just wanted to do that. And then I heard that, hey, if you're a Christian, there's this thing called baptism. I'm like, really? Baptism? Sure, great, if that's what the Lord wants. So then I got baptized, right? And then somebody said, by the way, did you know there's a place you could go to study the Bible? And I'm like, you're kidding, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I could actually go somewhere and study the Bible. 
And um, sure enough, the, you know, the pastor at that time and the youth pastor were graduates and one was the president of the school, you know, years ago. And, and they said, well, Briarcrest Bible College in Canada, like that's the place you should go. And I'm like, I'm going. I didn't have the money at the time. So it took me about a year. Yeah. And I just packed up my things and moved off to the middle of absolutely nowhere. Because I was, uh, we need to take a short break. Yep. To describe Briarcrest Bible College, yes. uh, many of people, many people will not have ever heard of that. It it is so much in the middle of nowhere <laughs> yes. that I, it is hard to describe how much in the middle of nowhere it is. <laughs> yeah. It's it's in Saskatchewan, yep, and it's off of a highway, mm-hmm. and it actually kind of is its own little town. Yeah, it is. It's not a huge school, nope. but it it's. Uh, like you, you'd never think it was ever there. It's just nope. it, but you drive and drive and drive and drive and drive and oh, it's a Bible college. Okay. And then drive and drive. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really is quite a place. Freezing in the winter. Just absolutely freezing. I remember, I remember at one time, well, in Celsius, I don't even know what it would convert to you know, off the charts, but I remember it being with the wind. Minus chill, 40, they crossed. At least. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, it was about minus 40. Fahrenheit. Yeah. Yeah. Like I do remember once minus 60 or minus 70 it was during Christmas break. We we're all trying to leave and they were like, do not get on the road. But we went on the road anyway in a van from the school to the airport. And it's just terrible. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. I mean, you go outside. When you say the airport, there's a town near there called. Yeah. What's the name? Moose Jaw? Well, Moose Jaw. Yeah. Uh, but there's no. <laughs> yeah. It's a great name, right? Yeah. Americans are like, wait, what? Well, yeah. They, well, they've got funny towns. I know, but like, Medicine Hat in Alberta, yeah. Moose what? Jaw, Saskatchewan. Yeah, Saskatchewan, you have you have urine. That's, yeah. a, that's a town. Yes, and do. elbow and eyebrow. Yes, you Saskatchewan. Do. My wife listens to this. She's going to be Corey. Don't make fun of my area where I grew up. She grew up in Herbert. This little oh, town, yeah. right on the number one highway. Yeah. But yeah, I remember walking outside. You know, your first winter encountering that kind of cold. Like your nose hairs freeze. Yeah. Right. And you're, if you go outside with any wet hair and it's frozen, yeah. I mean, it was so, so my roommate one time was so funny. I, I started protecting him after this because they just like to pick on the guy. I mean, he was from BC, the church I was at and we were roommates. BC's like Seattle for those of you know, like it's uh, the weather yeah. just rains. Yeah. It's totally like that. So he ended up, um, the guys took his laundry wet right out of the, like uh, the spin cycle, right out of mm-hmm. the washing machine. And outside across from the cafeteria, like a big open windows to the cafeteria, there's a big gymnasium wall that's made of like metal. And so they took his like his underwear and they just flung it up onto the wall and it just stuck immediately. <laughs> so he's got all these pieces of clothing stuck on the side of the wall. And he's out there at lunch hour. I'm like, if it was me, I would have waited till lunch was long gone. Yeah. But he's out there with a basketball trying to shoot the stuff off the wall. that's like 25 feet up in the air, you know. Ah, poor guy. Poor guy. (laughs) So you you finished a degree there. Yeah, I did. The guy who didn't, wasn't all that excited about studying. No, that's right. Like the first papers that I had to write were a little rough. Um, You know, back in the day, we didn't have computers in our rooms either, remember? Yeah. I mean, we were chiseling into, you know, slabs of concrete at that time. (laughs) But yeah, uh, first degree, I was completed there. But, you know, it was the, the, the incredible thirst, right? the hunger for the word and the desire to know, like I was just soaking it all up. And I actually really had a hard time with the people that weren't, you know, that were there from Christian homes, some of them, and didn't really have that desire. I just didn't understand that. 
did you meet your wife at Briarcrest? Mm-hmm. I did. You guys were students together. Yes. Yeah. How did you meet her? Yeah. I mean, of course, everyone there knows yeah. each other. It's not that big a school, but yeah. Well, when she met me, she thought I was this really quiet guy. Um, we were playing football. Uh, that is a bunch of guys. First, like week of the school year, and um, I got hit in the throat by uh, somebody's elbow. They grabbed the ball, and when they turned, the elbow just nailed me right in the throat. So I lost my voice. It was gone for like, I don't know, almost two months. I mean, I could eke out some sounds, but... So she thought I was this really quiet guy. She's like, he's such a good listener. Yeah. <laughs> so, And then the voice came back, you know. But uh, it was sort of through that, a mutual friend that we had. Um, and then we sat at the same table. Next thing I know, I get invited by her to uh, Sadie Hawkins, I think they call yeah, that, that date. And I was pretty clear, like, I just want to... the girls invite the... Yeah. yeah. And I was pretty clear, I just want to be friends, right? I gave the old, I just want to be friends line. But... Um, so I got taken to her parents' place in Herbert, and I thought I was going to eat the meal upstairs with them. And, oh, they had a table set. I mean, we're friends, right? Yeah. Downstairs, there's like a romantic table well. set, right? Candle lights, the whole deal. So um, she, she snookered you. Well, see, the thing is, this is the, this is, there's two things, only two things, honestly, that my wife and I have ever had is issues. One is she cheers for a Canuck, uh, not the Canucks, which is what I cheer for for hockey. Yeah. She cheers for the Calgary Flames. Yeah, that's I'm like flames, shameful. Flames is the devil, that yeah. kind of thing. So why? So I've been trying to get her away from that. And the, and the other thing is the story about who chased who, <laughs> you know. And I always remind her, like, listen, it really doesn't matter in the end. What peop- what you really need to know is the important thing is that you caught me. That's the important <laughs> thing, right? <laughs> so, um, but she has her own version of this story. Of, yeah, but. But, you know, we've been happily married now for, well, this February will be 30 years. Congratulations. Awesome. That's fantastic. Right? Yeah. Um, have you always, is, has ministry always been the thing that you wanted to do then? As soon as you, I mean, you came to faith in Christ, you go to this yeah. Bible college, and now you're like, nah, mm-hmm. I'm doing ministry. Yep. What was yep. the first ministry that you ever, like, like uh, full-time or that kind of thing? When, yeah. What was it? My first was um, shortly after graduating from Bible college. Um it might have been about a year after I, uh, Trina and I said, like, I think it's time for us to enter into the ministry. Mm-hmm. I was so scared. I went in as a youth pastor. Okay. Kind of more of an associate role, I guess you could say. In for, Canada? Yeah, in Canada. In a, little, in a city called Swift Current, Saskatchewan. <coughs> mm-hmm. Also known as Speedy Creek. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate. I didn't realize this at the time, but there was a bunch of kids that I was a, well, I was a camp counselor one summer in that area. And uh, the kids were in that church. Some of them. Mm. And so uh, they gave me a good reference, apparently. Yeah. And so I got the the ministry there and was there for like five years. Did you like it? It was great. It was a great first church. I mean, the church family, in terms of like a uh, good guy to work with I had there. Um, the people were very loving, caring, supporting yeah. as, a, as a young pastor. You know, um, I, I think what the hardest part for me was I, I started reading some books that like I was frustrated with the lack of seeing people come to Christ, frankly. Mm. Uh, I would try all kinds of things as a youth pastor and it just very limited sort of like fruit it seemed from it. And I desired to be a part of something that was going to be bigger than that. I remember reading a book by Strobel's. I don't know if you remember the old book years ago, Inside the Mind of Unchurched Harry and yeah, Mary. Yeah, I do. Right? Um, you know, there's all kinds of things philosophically about that book, but at the same time, <coughs> it sort of, for me, when I read it, I was like, I want to like, I want to be a part of something that's bigger than just this, right? So, um, yeah, that's where I started thinking about church planting the first time was there. 
Um, in fact, I got the guy that I was working with, who was a senior pastor, he introduced me to, uh, an, it was an article in our conference magazine about a guy who left California and went to Utah to plant a church. Mm-hmm. And I read the article, I thought, man, I'd love to do that someday. Mm-hmm. And God had given me this like desire to reach people in cults. I, I don't know why. Like every well, from the time I got saved, I just always talked to JWs and wanted to bring them to Christ. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so I read that article. And I thought, man, someday I kind of just shelved it, and then years later, I, that very guy I read about is the guy that I had contact with who brought me down to Utah. Isn't that crazy? It's so incredible. So you were you were a pastor of a church in Salt Lake City for how many years? Um, close to fourteen. Fourteen years, yeah. but it was it was the church you planted. Yes. Um. Tell me a little bit about yep. Salt Lake City. Oh man! So, like in terms of its religious situation, and I mean, a lot of people would look at Salt Lake City. Oh, it's a lovely, really nice Christian community type thing, and yet, yeah, it's actually one of the most unreached places yeah. on in North America. It really is. I mean, the stats on it, in terms of if you go by state by state, the stats. I mean, Utah is the least reached place in all of North, in all of Canada, or all of the United States. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's sort of, of the. It is sort of it the is. Quebec of yeah of the U.S. Yeah, I mean, at the time, the percentages in terms of actual, real sort of evangelical Christians there were like less than one percent or something like yeah. that. It was staggering. And I mean, when you drive there, the city that we lived in, which is the Salt Lake Valley is there, right? And the Salt Lake Valley has a bunch of cities in it. So it's easier to say, well, I'm from Salt Lake City, right? For a lot of times. But in that whole valley, there's about a million people. We lived in a city called West Jordan. But I t- when I first got there, I got a map of the whole Salt Lake Valley. And I counted all of the Mormon church buildings. And um, why I say buildings, it's important to say that because each building could actually have two to three congregations in it. Mm. Um, they, they meet at different times. And so each building represents anywhere between, boy, I think it might be two to 400 people, 200 to 400 people, right? So there's a mass amount of people in these builds that go to these churches. Oh, and I think at the time I counted like well over 1,200 um, ch- churches. I don't like calling them churches, but that's what they call them. Um, and then they have the temples that are scattered throughout. So when you drive down the streets, um, you can see all the way down one road, you can see the steeple, 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 steeple. Yeah. I don't actually don't like steeples because of it. Mm. Um, I mean, North Shore campus, we have a steeple, but it's got, it does have a cross on the yeah, top, I does. think, right? So I'm like, okay, we're good. Yeah. But, that, but that steeple, you see it everywhere. I mean, and it's strategically built. They build it before any of the other houses are built. They buy the property. They know where the church is going to be. I mean, I've seen plans for developments and stuff. And, the church there, Mormon churches all over it. I really think it's where Satan's throne is in many respects, like Revelation talks about. You know, it's one of those kinds of places, right? Yeah. I mean, you got downtown headquarters, the level of demonic activity that exists there in those temples and in people's lives. And if, if everything's very clean, it's really well presented. Um, but we know what that's like. Yeah. Underneath, there's all kinds of problems that people have, and they try to moralize their way through things. And um, but it was a great place to live at the same time, raising kids there, um, ministry yeah. opportunities. What was your favorite thing about doing ministry there? <clears throat> my favorite thing was seeing baptisms. Yeah. When, when I say that, it's like, you know, might expect me to say, well, seeing people come to Christ. It's like, well, um, the baptisms were really more of a tangible way, probably, I guess, of saying, okay, this person is in. Right. Um, 
pretty public. I mean, it right. is a way to. It wasn't like they're saved it. because of it. It was just more like, I mean, you can be kind of a high, hidden, quiet kind of person who maybe came to Christ, but when you get baptized, like, okay, yeah. I'm putting on my hand and say my yeah. allegiance with Jesus, and I'm saying no to the Mormon Church. Mm. And so, I mean, what, I think my ministry highlight down there for me, if I think of that, those years, was one Sunday where the Lord blessed us with having 17 baptisms on yeah. that Sunday. And it was the greatest. It's like, like the very last guy that was baptized was a guy that, um, like we were in a warehouse, two warehouses down. Um, they had their company. And the dad and his son, you know, they were all adults, started coming to the church. The son ended up giving his life to Christ. His wife did too. The kids did. And he's the last guy baptized of the 17. He's watched everybody go into the tank, right? Now, I'm on the outside. It was one of those tanks where I didn't have to get into. Right. So I'm on the outside. He gets into the tank, and I'm not back actually baptizing. He takes off his shirt. So he peels it off. He's got tattoos and piercings on his body. Um, and then he, he looks over at my associate because he realizes, what have I just done? Like I've taken off my shirt in front of everybody. Mm. And then he says, oh, and he swears <laughs> out loud. <laughs> and then everybody in the church is like, <gasps> and then everybody starts laughing. And so one associate looks, o- he looks over the associate. The associate looks over at me and I'm like going with my finger, like, like keep going, keep going, like <laughs> yeah. keep going. like <laughs> Get him in there. And we, but, it, you know, it was one of those mixed things where, okay, the guy swore. Okay. Like yep. big deal. He swore. I'm just what, but what a beautiful picture. Yep. Like, isn't that amazing? That picture of somebody being in the baptism tank, fresh, raw, just come to know Jesus, pledging their allegiance to him. And the guy goes, Oh, what did I just say? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it's just a beautiful picture of why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. Right. That's. Yeah. Well, you've had an evangelist heart for that's, I mean, you have a yeah. big heart for evangelism and it's better big impact on the way that you think about uh, yeah. ministry. Yeah, it is. I, I don't often think of myself that way, but I guess, you know, I, I do think that way. Yeah. I do think that way. Yeah. I, I often wish I had more of a burden. Frankly, I do. Yeah. I just, you know, yeah, there's times that my burden isn't as good as it should be. Either. Yeah. But um, you ended up back in Canada though. Yes, I did. That was rough. So that for the last three years? Yeah. Almost, almost you, three. You have been in a town <clears throat> that actually is on a beach that you can look across the water and see Vancouver Island yes. on a good day. Yep. So the town is called Tawasson. Americans call Swasson because yes. uh, it's T-S at the beginning. Yep. And if you can spell it, we will give you a free <laughs> Twinkie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because it's, it, it's uh, but it is a quaint little beachside sort of town that is, uh, I imagine a lot of people down there are still commuting into Vancouver. Yep, they are. Um, but very, very well-loved area mm-hmm. and lots, yeah. lo- very desirable kind of place to live. Yeah. And you were a pastor of a church there. I was, yeah. A church that had been around for a number of years. Um, you know, met, had some great friends that are there, still there to this day. Um, came there in the pandemic. Yeah. You know, September. Right at the beginning of it, didn't you? Yes. Well, it was September 2020. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I remember like, I remember going up to candidate there, right? So it was in June 2020. Yeah. And I had to, I arrived there, I had to quarantine for two weeks. Yeah. And then when I came out of quarantine, I candidated for a week. But the time I was in quarantine, it was still like a bunch of meetings. 
like it wasn't wasn't supposed like to be. <laughs> I, I don't think it was. I had I counted them. I had thirty four meetings during candidating. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it's the world's record. Oh, for it would be because you're there for what else are you doing? Yeah, but yeah. in Canada, it was. I mean. It was rough in British Columbia. They were, really they, especially at that point, it was basically, yeah. and, you know, like you, you would have been expected to be in your own room in a house or in a tent in the backyard and not see anybody That's for right. like legit quarantine yep. for two straight weeks. They would try to check on you oh, up there. I mean, there we lived fear. just nearby yep. and it was, uh, it, it coming from Utah, yep. it, it would have been very different. It was very different. I really struggled with that side of it. I mean, I just, you know, I mean, I'm no expert, never claimed to be a medical expert at all or a science expert, but I would look at the stats, mm. right? And I look at stats and I would just internally, I'd have a little bit of a meltdown over stats because I'd go, why are we doing some of the things we're doing? Like I yeah. get, I got, I understood some of them, I understood some of them, but there was a whole pile of them. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. in Canada at that point too, I mean, uh, the Canadian heart, which we both have yeah. is, one of the big differences between the United States and and Canada is that Canadians are one pretty trusting of the government, yeah, and also uh, very concerned about uh, their fellow Canadian, very concerned about making sure that they don't step out of line. And I actually use right. that language, "step out of line." Yeah. Like if you go, if can, what an old joke is that you know, if Canadian sees a line, he's like, he's right at home, right? Yeah. That what what would Canadians have done on the in the Lord of the Flies? Well, they would have lined up, yeah, because they just kind of in you know yep. it's a it, it orderly kind uh polite yep. fo- follow the lead don't step out yep. that kind of stuff and so as a result i was a lot of trust in the government even when the government was saying things that i mean everyone knew was silly yeah, totally <laughs> but at the same time it was uh it was tough and they were they were um uh you know, really being aggressive in terms of their prosecution of people who weren't standing in the line. And so uh, you came up and you chose to move. Honestly, everybody I knew who was American or had access to the States was moving away from (laughs) Canada at that moment into the United States. And you were like, nah, we're we're going into into BC. And so it was a hard time to start. Yeah, it, it really was. I mean, for me, it was a move in a sense, back home too, because, you know, my, my mother lives in that area in North Vancouver. And then I've got a sister and her family all there, my cousin Lee. So it was a little bit like, oh, maybe we need to reconnect kind of back mm. home. Right? Yeah. But I got there and it actually honestly didn't feel like home anymore. Yeah. Um, I had my years either in the U.S. or whatever. Something had changed in me that I just didn't feel. I'm sure COVID didn't help, yeah. but I really didn't feel at home in what used to be my home yeah. anymore. Culturally, I felt like a fish out of water. Um, when I finally did come back across the U.S., in fact, when we were living up there, every time we crossed the border, it was like, ah. Yeah. Well, you know, you'd gotten used to Well, the border guys too, right, would be like, welcome home yeah, in the like, U.S. You go back into Canada and they're like, yeah. how much, this really how much do you have? Right? You know, <laughs> you know? Give us money. Yeah, they were pretty rough. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I... I I thank God actually for this series of providences that have led you here. Yes. It's incredible. Um, when we were first looking for somebody at the North shore campus, cause we really saw the potential of it and believed that, uh, there's a lot of great ministry can be done in the North shore and really want to commit to it. Uh, it was weird. I was in a meeting Corey and I remember sitting there thinking to myself, you know, who'd be great at this. Mm. It's Corey Anderson. 
And, but I didn't, you know, yeah. I didn't want to shoot my mouth off at the time. I was like, well, surely there's other people. And so other yeah. people were bringing it up and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. eventually I said, you know, I, I know a guy who might be exactly what we're looking for. Yeah. And I remember contacting you and we talked it through and, and it was through the series oh, of circumstances, yeah. you're here now. And ironically, <clears throat> your wife works for a company yep. that is headquartered in Chicago That's right. and has for years. Yep. Uh, your daughter attends university at Moody yep. even before you got here. That's right. So it's it's an interesting story how the it's Lord actually went before you <laughs> to come here. It's really fascinating. Yeah, my wife, um, yeah, she, she actually had sw- switched companies when we were still in Utah, and we were just moving to Canada. And so they had the corporate office downtown Chicago. It didn't require her to be there, but... You know, she continued in that job all through our years in Canada, and she would travel in the United States because um, she's on the kind of the corporate side of things and visit all these different seniors' homes that are part of their whole big church or their big, you know, family of, of uh, homes. And, um, yeah, so that was fascinating. And then my daughter, Emily, I mean, she was going to uh, sort of a, well, Cape and Ray, mm. uh, you know, on, on Thetis Island on Vancouver, right. Right, Vancouver Island there, and she wanted more. She wanted more substance. I mean, she's in her second year at Moody now, but at the time I just said, well, let's look around and just see. I don't think I want to send you anywhere in Canada, but um, well, there's some some in the States. And I looked at Moody. I'm like, well, Moody is actually a really good school to go to. Mm. And I was like blown away at the cost as well. And I thought, wow, you should apply there. And she applied and got in. Mm. And all that's before, you know, and then I came down to, um, well, probably drop her off. You and I connected as well. Mm. Um you know, again, had lunch together. And I mean, that's a long yeah. time before, right? It and, was a long time before. And just, but those pieces are fascinating. It's neat me. when you see the Lord, uh, you, when you, you feel like you have uh, stepped into a story the Lord has written. Right. <laughs> you're like, oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. You're not seeking too, right? No, like, you don't feel you're like you're. seeking it, yeah. desiring it. Yeah. You're just like. Yeah. I mean, so first take of Chicago? Love it. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. living out in. In Deerfield. Deerfield. Yeah. 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 We really like it where we are. Uh, both my wife and I have already said, actually, this feels like home. Oh, Deerfield's lovely. This feels like it's home. It's a lovely part of the area. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of her coworkers have been like, oh, wow, you live in Deerfield? Yeah. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's in the yeah. North Shore is a very okay. nice part of the, yeah, yeah, our we're, we're, area here. Yeah. So, so it's... Uh, you're not there for the... Uh, no. No. <laughs> you're there to try to reach people. Yeah. Yeah, you have so, a congregation of people there who I think are, are pretty excited to yeah. have you. and Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's been really good. They've been very wel- welcoming, very yeah. warm and friendly. And there's a lot of, a lot of potential yeah. for what we can do there. Like yeah. there's a lot of things. and Not a lot of churches in the North Shore. Right. And not a lot of churches that are having uh, a lot of inroads with right. the population there. Yeah. And yeah. it is a unique kind of place because it is uh, wealthier and there are some large... Uh, other religious groups like the Jewish population yes. is pretty heavy there. And there's some others. It's uh it's a unique area yeah, and requires kind of a, yeah, it's it kind of a special touch. And I just remember yeah. thinking when we first, when I was first thinking about you is I bet a guy who's worked among, uh, you know, moral religious people would <laughs> probably right. do pretty well yeah. among this group and be able to speak their language. And yeah. 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 Well, that's sure what we're praying towards. That's yeah. for sure. You know, yeah. We, uh, you do, you, you gather a bunch of sort of things over the years in ministry and you just submit them back over to the Lord because each place is a new place, right? And 
Um, but, you know, we got to come to it with, I mean, I, I just, for me, I really think of, I often to go back to Nehemiah for me personally, mm -hmm. because God give us a, a burden, right? Give us a burden. I mean, for him, it was the walls were down and give us a burden. You know, I mean, if I could mention Bill Hybels on this, yeah. like you know, <laughs> his book, right? On holy discontent. Yeah. It was actually a really good book, you know, and just give us a holy discontent for the North shore. Yeah. Right. Um, so that we would do whatever we need to do to be able to reach people there. Right. Yeah. Help us not to be satisfied with what's there right now. Yeah. Like, God's not satisfied with that. Right. God wants to make a difference in that area. I mean, he's not getting the glory that he deserves right right now. Right. Right. Like he, he deserves the glory and it's being robbed by people worshiping other things. And so, yeah. So God burden our church, our campus with that holy discontent because right. out of that, then can great things can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, it's so great to have you here partnering together in ministry. I can't thank you enough for your willingness to do this. I'm just super appreciative of being called to do this, frankly, Jeff. Like yeah. I, um, it's, it's been a real blessing and an honor to be even called yeah. to be, you know, well, spirit pastoring did, there. Spirit did it. We and, just gotten, we just yeah, gotten bored. Yeah, it's, yeah, seriously, like the hand of providence is just yeah, it's really awesome. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you see Corey around, <clears throat> I can describe him. If you've seen a movie... He gets this, I'm sure, all the time. He is Sandman from the. Uh, he is Sandman <laughs> from the from the uh, uh, the Spider-Man movies. Yeah. I so guess when I have you heard that when you see him see him, you'll be like, ah, oh, yeah, I yeah. see. But he'll be involved in our pulpit. Corey's a gifted communicator, and he'll be preaching a bit, quite a bit up yeah. in North Shore. And also, yeah. you'll be. I think I've got you on a schedule to preach everywhere. Yeah. I think in the next couple of months or so. That's and right. so I'm really excited for our church. Uh, everywhere, all the different campuses to meet you and get connected with you and especially excited for those dear folks up in the North Shore. Awesome. All right, yes. dude. It's great to have you. Thanks. Uh, the rest of you, catch us next time. Thanks.